Welcome to Schooled by Mr. Baskin. I have been working with young people for 29 years plus now, and I've loved it, all of it, even the tough times. I am using this time to reconnect with older students or to just kind of express what's on my mind. And now, not just about what I've done in the classroom, but what I've done on the football field. Hopefully it helps me kind of get thoughts out and also helps you kind of appreciate all the work that goes into being a teacher and a coach. Hello, hello. I'm in the car going to football. And I haven't done one of these in a minute, so let's do this. All right. It is Thursday, July 26th, and I'm headed to Woodlands, and then we are on our way to day three of our camp at Yonkers, playing Yonkers Force and Tuckahoe. There was a fourth team, but they had to opt out. Um, I want to talk about coaching a little bit here. And the logistics of being a head coach versus a coordinator or a position coach or an assistant coach, it's, it's dramatically different. And I'm feeling it more this year than ever before. This is my second year being head coach at Woodlands, and I love it, but first, it takes up a large amount of your day. If you want to do it right, I, I'll admit, I am high maintenance. I was once called high strung as a coach from a uh, former head coach, and initially, I was very offended by that, but to me, high strung means, yeah, I, I want things a certain way. I'm very structured, and for some people, they see that it's a little extra, it's a little much. I do not. I want things in a certain way. I'm willing to put in the time and the effort to plan that out. And I don't really ask anyone else to do that. You know, I'm willing to do that work myself. I do have a really great coaching staff, but obviously since I'm the head coach, they're all position coaches or assistant coaches. And there's certain things that they're not seeing that I see as a head coach that I didn't know about really until I became a head coach. And one of those things is, yeah, about taking up a lot of time especially if you want things organized and planned out properly. And it does. It's a labor of love, but it is a labor. <laughs> and there are some times where I feel a little anxious about it. It takes up a lot of my day, not just, and, and it doesn't, it's a lot of the day not thinking about X's and O's, not actually thinking about formations and play calling and strategies and schemes. It, it's a lot of the day it deals with logistics, making sure that my players are reminded again and again and again, of what's coming up. Woodlands is a smaller school. The two schools that we're playing in this camp, one of them is Yonkers Force, and it's a, actually a conglomerate of six high schools playing under one moniker. So as a result, they have a huge population as a, as a school, which in turn allows them to have a, a double-A ranking, class ranking, which means they have a lot of kids, you know, and they have both a, a JV squad and a varsity squad. We do not. So um, a lot of my the logistics comes in, in reminding my kids about what's coming up because I don't have a lot of them. You know, I have on my roster, I have 30 kids. In reality, on a regular basis, I'm seeing maybe 15 to 18 of them because some of them are away and their parents you know, despite getting notice, it's one of my many pet peeves. I, I, I'm, like I mentioned, I'm really organized. And I made up a calendar months ago. And I was aware of this camp over two months ago. Had a meeting with parents and talked about it. And 
there were a couple of parents at that time that had told me, yeah, my, my son won't be there because, you know, blah, blah, blah. But there were other parents that didn't tell me until, oh, sorry, I thought I told you. No, you didn't. So I have several players that are away. You know, and again, the players don't set vacations up. Families do. So I can't be at fault at anybody. And I can't even blame the parents. I, yes, I, I, I wish they would alter their schedule, but that doesn't happen. And especially, again, in a smaller school that doesn't have like this huge prestige factor. My son plays at Arlington High School, and that's also a double-A program. And it's in the suburbs, and it's predominantly people of affluence that have a little bit of money. They're not rich necessarily, but they got two cars, and they can they regularly go on vacations enough so that going on vacation is not that super big a deal. They can adjust it around their kids' schedules quite a bit, and it seems that many of them do. But at Woodlands, we're a smaller program, and it's less affluent. The, the, the socioeconomic status of many of my, my players is not anywhere close to what it is at Arlington and some of the bigger schools. It's just not. So when these kids get a vacation, they, they're going to take it. It doesn't come along that often. I remember when I was a kid, we didn't go on vacation ever. Not only that, when they have jobs, and many of them do have jobs, they're not just working as job as something to pass the time or have a couple bucks to hang with their friends or whatever. They need that job to you know, help pay bills at home, to help pay their phone bill, to make sure that they have the clothes that they actually want and need for school. You know, so I can't, I would never discourage a kid from working. You know, I think it's a great responsibility for a teenager to have a job and be self-reliant and accountable and responsible enough to keep that job. But sometimes I want them to prioritize in, you know, in a way where, listen, yeah, this job is great and I need it, but there's only a certain time in your life when you can play high school football. You know, and really it's your, your junior and senior years. Freshman and sophomore, the work thing isn't as big a deal because those kids are younger. Many times they don't have the working papers. But when you become a junior, generally by that point, you're 16. And now you have working papers and now you can get a job. So oftentimes you do. And I understand that. I want kids working. But sometimes the kids have hours that are difficult for them to make practice on time. Now, I've tried to schedule that into what we do here. But some kids can't be there because of the schedule at work, as well as their parents setting up things. Other kids, it's about them actually getting to and from practice because in the summer, there isn't a school bus to take them home. In the school year, during the school year, they're at school all day. They finish up. They go to their locker room, get their gear on. They go to the field. They're already there. And there is a bus that does take them home at the end of every practice. So they have transportation. That's set. That's not the case in the summer. In the summer, you, you have to be uh, get yourself there whether it's your parents or a ride or uh, ride your bike or walk, whatever it might be. I hate to be that person that's like, well, back in my day, but back in my day, my parents weren't driving me many places. My mom didn't drive when I went to high school and middle school. So if I wanted to get to a practice, I would ride my bike or hopefully a parent was nice enough in giving me a ride. But more often than not, I was either walking or riding my bike. And it might be two, three, four miles sometimes. You know, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it was a hike. But that was just something that we did. And kids don't seem to do that anymore. Now, it's a different time, but it's, and it's a different location. You know, some of these kids live just far enough, maybe two or three miles, but they're crossing major traffic. It's not as rural an area as uh, the parts of Rockland County that I lived in when I was their age. So that factors in as well. You know, so a lot of my day is setting up calendars and making sure people can arrive and doing what I can to help people get to 
to my practices. You know, it's almost like a concierge in a hotel where I have to, you know, help you get from A to B. I'm, you know, and again, nothing to do with actual football yet. A lot of it has to do with dealing with parents. You know, is your son interested in playing? Are they going to be playing? When will they be attending? Um, please complete this Google form so I have some information on them. Family ID portal is open, and that's where, where parents are required to submit updated physical exams for their children. So now the next several weeks are going to be about that. You know, hey, have you registered your child? Have they gotten a physical? Will they have a physical done in time? Um, that takes up more time than you realize. You know, just, just contacting parents. And not just about uh, the logistics of getting to them from, but also about their grades and what's coming up for them. You know, the, the, the school year that just ended about a month ago, there were still a lot of parents that were really concerned, even in this break, about what's going to happen with grades next. And I have to kind of be there to assuage their concerns. And it's part of the gig being a teacher. But you don't think about having to do that as a head coach. Yep, it's something I'm dealing with. A lot of this stuff also has to do with uniforms and equipment. So oftentimes I'm looking through catalogs, ordering things, making sure there's opportunities for my players to buy uh, apparel and the parents as well, making sure that we have the right equipment for on the field, whether it's gear that they're going to be wearing or uh, equipment we're going to use on the field, like shields and sleds and things like that. And that takes a lot of time. And that involves money. So now I have to be concerned with the, the financial element of this team, as well as, again, the actual football part of it. I haven't mentioned that yet. That's, that's really just, a, right now, it's all about logistics and contact and communication. Not complaining. Again, just kind of stating what it is. Another thing that, that factors into all of this is making sure that the players, once we're on the field now, now that we've gotten all of the logistical and organizational and, and communication stuff out of the way, now we're at practice. All right, what's going to happen? Well, first is the actual planning of what we're going to do. Today is going to be offensive day. Okay, I want them working out, warming up first, the early warm-ups. We've got to make sure they do that, that they arrive on time and that they're stretched out properly. And then we're going to, if it's an offensive day, we want to do offensive-oriented drills whether it's blocking on offensive days, hands for receiving, or on defensive days where it's tackling and, and pursuit angles, things like that. And then we get into actually starting to install elements of our offense and our defense. And then finally, hopefully at the end of practice, we put it all together where we're running all 11 on the offense versus first on air against no one and then against whatever players are left to put up some sort of a scout defense. And on likewise. On defensive days where we have a full 11 on the defense, running on air, and then hopefully being able to put in some offensive elements. And this is where the challenge of having a smaller team reemerges. If I'm averaging 15 to 18 players at practice, that's not 22. That's not a full 11 on 11. So how do you run an effective practice when you don't have enough players to literally have a regular football situation going on. And I think that's where the coaches, led hopefully by their head coach, have to come up with ways to maximize the efficiency of what we're doing in the practice. It can't just be busy work. You know, when you're a teacher, especially in elementary school, but in middle school, probably in high school as well, 
sometimes the teacher's less prepared. Maybe they got sick. Maybe they didn't plan well. Maybe they're not feeling well. Maybe whatever it is, and you'll throw what's known as busy work. You know, I'll open this to this page in this book. Read this. Answer those questions. It's it's boring. And the kids can garner some knowledge in that way, but it's not really the best way to really teach and engage students. It's not. And the same thing happens on a football field. There are some times where it's like, um, okay, let's just have them, you know, hit this sled or let's just have them run routes or let's have them form tackle on each blow of the whistle. They step and then they shoot their hands and then they hit their shoulder, you know, and it's very mechanical and it's very dull and it's not really applicable to real football. And I am seeing that happen a little bit with my son's team where there are times where they are doing drills that feel like busy work, that it's not really going to help him when he starts playing against live contact. For us, no, I want these drills that we're doing. I need them to matter. And that's where the coaching comes in. And that's where you have to have faith in your staff. And right now I do. We have fewer guys, but it allows us some things that bigger schools don't get. We get more reps. Our players are getting more repetitions, trying some over and over again. And because they're going more often, they're also getting some conditioning from them. And I think that that really helps us. The, the kids are getting that repetition, which gives them that muscle memory and that ability to remember what to do instinctively, because I don't want them out there thinking about what to do. I, I need them to just do it. I need them to react very quickly. By being able to practice with fewer kids, we do have that advantage. It does give us the ability to see kids doing something again and again and again and again and to practice the thing again and again and again. Whereas with a larger team, that's just very hard to do. And again, I'm at my son's scrimmage the other day, and it looked like an ant farm at one point. With, where there was 150 maroon helmets breaking out of this enormous huddle. And that was a combined group of the varsity players, the junior varsity players, and the modified players, which were in grade seven and eight. So you had this ridiculous number of players. And even if they had eight coaches, nine coaches, how do you corral that many kids, you know, and do something effective? And the answer is, you know, you know, I, I would never want to get my nose too much in somebody's business as far as the way they coach, but it's just really difficult to manage that many players and get them meaningful reps unless you have a really established structure and discipline about making sure kids are, are doing what they're supposed to do. And there are some times where you, that's not happening. But at, at our practices, that is. I know what isn't always that way. I know that there was a coach before me that kind of was a little slipshod in doing those things, and that's why he's a former. But for me, it's like, all right, we need to max this time. About getting regular reps, you know, and that it's helpful at a smaller school. So we are able to see our players and give them more direct help. And it's tougher in a bigger program, so it is one of the few perks we have. But there's not a lot of other perks beyond that. You know, uh, we happen to have enough equipment and, and uniforms and things, so that hasn't been an issue yet. But some of the uh, infrastructural needs sometimes aren't there the same way they are in other schools. You know, I had to find uh, an equipment manager rather than just have one in place. And he's a really nice young man, but he has some challenges. I have to train him. We don't have a trainer on hand yet. I'm sure at some point we will, but we don't yet. Whereas the bigger schools, they have one or two or even three. Sometimes they have a small staff of physical trainers and assistants and don't have that having a you know excellent field and uh, scoreboard and, and fan support system we're, we're trying on those things but again you're competing against more affluent schools and, and bigger districts and programs that are emphasized more by the school community 
we lack that. It's it's a good program. We need more support. It'll come in time, but part of that is, you know, when we start winning, then you'll get the support. Sometimes it's that game. You know, oh, win and you'll get more support. Well, support may be a more likely to win. I see some programs, and again, I'm going to talk abstract. I don't want to blow up any spots. I see programs where it is an affluent area, and there is a lot of uh, administrative support. And there are kids that are turning out, and parents in turn that are supporting those kids, but the dog's not hunting yet. <laughs> you know, and sometimes that happens. Maybe kids came up playing more baseball and soccer, and parents got scared off by all the CTE and concussion and injury issues that were really a big deal over the last 15 to 20 years. I know that spooked me a bit with my own son. And now when the kids got to high school age, they, they stuck to those sports or, or came later to football so they don't eat the game. They're, they're not passionate about the game in the same way that I came up. That, that's always a factor. But for a smaller program, yeah, I have to get these kids to, to want to love this program. I'm hoping to find them already that already love it. They're just coming because, yeah, I've been eating football since I was five or eight or ten. But I don't have a lot of those kids. For some of my, my players, it's learning the game as they go. Just This is something my friends do. I'm this age, so why not do this? What I have to do is engage them that they want to be there. I have to make them feel appreciated. We have to make them feel like you're a part of something. This is not just going to build you up on the field. It's going to build you up off the field. And sometimes that can be a hard sell. That, that's, that's another difficult part of the job. But that does blend into the assistant coaches as well because they have more immediate involvement with a lot of the kids because they're working them more directly when we get to skills, drills, independence, or indies as we call them. So they can have that impact as well. But as a head coach, I'm just kind of overseeing all of these things. And I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it is, it can be almost all encompassing. I, I feel like I'm constantly checking my phone and constantly writing things up and watching things and listening to things and, and trying to prepare for what's next. But I think it'll pay off. You know, it's, it's the start of my second year and there are signs that it's going right. Those signs are not in the standings yet. We have a really difficult schedule, not going to lie. I don't know if the standings are going to reflect the effort yet. The standings did not last season. We were 1-8 last season. And there were some misfires that happened from us as coaches, from me specifically as a head coach, that I have learned from. And maybe I'll talk about that in another episode. But right now, I just want us to get better, a little better every day. As coaches, as players, as a team. And I think there's signs of us doing that. We're going to keep finding out today when we go to this camp. We'll see what happens. All right. I'm going to stop it for here. And I hope you like what you're hearing. I'm on the fence about whether or not I want to keep this going. My boy Jared, he's got his great podcast going, Sober Experience. He's a kick in my ass. You know, he, he texted me the other day asking what's going on. I haven't heard a new episode in a little while. You slacking? You know, I gave him this convoluted reason, which was true. I don't want to pester people to listen, but it, it does help if I know people are listening. So if you like what you're hearing, please let me know. Shoot me a text. Shoot me an email. Like this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. Make note of it. Those things really matter. That's what keeps me going in the classroom all these years. That's what's going to keep me going as a coach. It's what's going to keep me podcasting. So with that, be good. <laughs>